This is Second Look. I'm Bob Levicky, WMRA's News Director. I'm glad to be with you this afternoon. So are you getting caught up on yard work after all the rain last week? Well, take a break, grab a cool drink, and get caught up on the news of the week with WMRA. We'll go hiking through the Virginia wilderness with some city kids participating in a Nature Conservancy program. We'll visit with Books and Brews alum Beth Macy. Her third book explores the roots of Virginia's opioid crisis. We have a report on who's winning and who's not benefiting so much from Virginia's growing economy. We replay an extensive profile of Harrisonburg Mayor Dina Reed. And we have the story of Math Men on a Mission, the M-Cubed program, and its mission to bridge the racial gap in math performance for young men in the Charlottesville area. Turns out that program does a lot more. But first, a nationwide community of college students is offering a summer camp where the children of parents with cancer can have fun and just be themselves. Some of those camps are getting underway today, as WMRA's Christopher Clymer-Kurtz reports. Children ages 6 through 18 who have faced a parent's cancer are invited to camps hosted by the University of Virginia and James Madison University chapters of the national network Camp Kesson. JMU sophomore Abby Smith from Glen Allen participated for five years. The most amazing part about Camp Kesson is that it's kind of a getaway from your regular life because you're in a group of people that know and understand exactly what you're going through, but in different severities. She said that when she was in kindergarten, her mother was diagnosed with cancer. She fought most of my life. She passed away when I was in eighth grade, and that's when I found Camp Kesson. The UVA chapter's camp, which is filling up fast, will be in Lowesville, and JMU's will be in Charlottesville. You kind of just get a chance to be a kid at Camp Kesson. You get a chance to let go and forget about some of the things going on in your family, and you just get to be yourself. This year, Smith will be a counselor at JMU's camp. It's literally made me who I am, so I just want to give something back and help these children and let them know that they have a safe place like I did. Registration for the free camps continues through Saturday. For WMRA News, I'm Christopher Clymer-Kurtz. The U.S. labor market is pretty tight right now, and the competition for young talent is especially keen at nonprofits such as the Nature Conservancy, and that's one reason the organization started a program to interest urban kids in conservation. Virginia Public Radio's Sandy Hausman met up with three city slickers in the Warm Springs Nature Preserve to see how they were adjusting to life in the country. Pulling and chopping weeds might not seem like the most exciting summer job, but Rachel Ware, Raven Stevens, and Jasmine Lowitz were thrilled to be here. They were chosen for a paid internship with the Nature Conservancy, a chance to escape life in Louisville, Kentucky for something more rustic. Well, good morning. We are here at the Bear Loop Overlook, and today we're going to be doing some non-native invasive species removal. The Conservancy's Nicole Simmons explained how to identify the aggressive outsiders. When you uh, find Otomala, it's very easy to tell because it has this really shiny, silvery leaf, and it's kind of fuzzy. In addition to removing non-native species from a trail, they visited Shenandoah National Park to see how plants had come back after a controlled burn. Stevens now feels more connected to the forest. When I first walked into a forest, it was like, oh yeah, you know, there's are trees and there's a bunch of plants, but when you actually learn their names and what they're good for medicinal-wise, it's like you see the forest in a whole new perspective and I really enjoy being here now. They splashed in the Cow Pasture River, looking under rocks for microinvertebrates, tiny creatures that tell scientists about the quality of the water. 
When it's good, there are lots of water bugs. When it's polluted, not so much. Each adventure taught the girls something new about themselves and sometimes offered something to write home about. I learned really quick that I did not like hiking. <laughs> it just felt like I hiked forever just to see a yeah, pretty view, but then I had to hike back down. There was a rattlesnake where I was clearing some brush. At first I didn't know what it was. I heard the rattle and then I realized that it was a rattlesnake and I was looking for it and it was right next to me. <laughs> the bugs are definitely annoying, but they're a part of nature, so. <laughs> we saw a mama bear and her cubs right as we were coming down off the hill and we had to turn around and go all the way back up the hill and down the other way we came. So it was really a very long hike. I was not enjoying it. <laughs> But it was cool to see the bears? It was, it really was. The Nature Conservancy has hired about a thousand kids since the program began in 1995, and a third of them have ended up in jobs involving conservation. That's great news for Allegheny Highlands coordinator Laurel Shabline, who loves sharing her passion for the environment. I have a very strong connection with the land where I grew up in Virginia. When I started working for the Nature Conservancy, I began a relationship with Warm Springs Mountain Preserve and getting to work with this crew, being so enthusiastic and getting to experience so many new things is a little bit like getting to relive a first date with the mountain. And for those students who found the outdoor activity a little too challenging, the program also exposed them to other essential parts of the operation, philanthropy, finance, marketing, and media. I'm Sandy Hausman. One of our Books and Brews authors from Roanoke has again put her journalism skills to work on a true story that reads like a novel. Former Roanoke Times reporter Beth Macy wrote Factory Man and True Vine, and now she's out with her third book, this one about the opioid crisis and its origins right here in Virginia. It's called Dope Sick. Virginia Public Radio's Robbie Harris has more. The title is a haunting refrain through Beth Macy's new book, Dope Sick is What Addicts Will Do Anything to Avoid Becoming. Macy tells the real-life stories of hardworking people who were prescribed legal drugs for pain, promoted as non-addictive, who end up losing their jobs, their families, and their lives. In 1996, Purdue Pharma began marketing and selling Oxycontin, and this happened at the same time in medicine that there was this movement partially funded by the pharmaceutical companies that we were under-treating pain. And too often, those pills in people's medicine cabinets tempt young people to sample them. Macy's book tells the story of promising students and sports standouts who soon find a drug like Oxycontin makes their lives a living hell if they don't get more. So what had happened was the sales reps went out and misrepresented the product as being less addictive than other opioids because of its so-called time-release mechanism. It was only going to be addictive in, quote, less than 1% of all cases. Macy's reporting reveals how the company targeted people who work in industries where the injury rate is high, fishermen in Maine, coal miners in the Virginias and Kentucky, people already on conventional pain meds. And in the most distressed rural communities, which have the highest unemployment rates and the highest numbers of people on disability and the highest number of people on food stamps, you can also look, and all of those communities also have the highest percentage of people being prescribed opioids, which I found really chilling. 
chilling because in her first best-selling book, Factory Man, Macy details the loss of the once-thriving furniture industry in southwest Virginia. The actor Tom Hanks is now in the process of turning that book into a film. Macy says back then, no one realized what happened there was setting the stage for the opioid crisis. The only way I could bear to live in this material was to find the people who were fighting back. There are many heroes in this book. A Lee County doctor and his lawyer wife who sounded the alarm early and begged the company to change the drug formula. Law enforcement tracking illegal drug dealers supplying heroin to addicts who can no longer get pills. And affluent families who first sought to keep the problem quiet, but later opened up to Macy and fought like hell to save them. She also did extensive interviews with people in the Roanoke U.S. Attorney's Office, the first one to investigate and ultimately sue Purdue Pharma in 2007. But in the last 15 years, we've lost 300,000 Americans to drug overdose. We're supposed to lose that many in only the next five. We need to get our hands around it. We need to understand how we got here. We need to elect leaders that are going to move us forward from it. And I'm hoping after you close the pages of this book and maybe wipe a tear from your eye, you'll, you'll have a deeper understanding of what these families are going through and you will do those things. In recent months, several Virginia counties and the state have filed lawsuits against Purdue Pharma. In the 2007 case by Roanoke's U.S. attorneys, the company pleaded guilty and was fined $600 million. No one went to jail. Macy recalls one of the prosecutors in the case told her if more white-collar criminals did, other white-collar criminals might start to listen. I'm Robbie Harris. The Great Recession is now a, a distant memory, and in many ways Virginia's economy has improved. But as Virginia Public Radio's Michael Pope reports, that rising tide has not lifted all boats, and some workers actually may be sinking further. Ever since the recession, white workers have seen their wages go up 82 cents an hour, but Hispanic workers have seen their wages decrease 32 cents an hour, and black workers have also seen their wages decrease 58 cents an hour. Laura Gorin at the Commonwealth Institute says these numbers are particular to Virginia. Black and Hispanic median wages in the country as a whole have marginally increased in the past 10 years, while in Virginia they have decreased. Hamilton Lombard at the University of Virginia says blacks and Hispanics have lower educational attainment rates, which is causing the sluggish recovery. The construction industry, which is one of the best jobs for people without a college degree, is just barely starting to recover now. So I think this is what we've seen in the past. We're definitely seeing it. This recovery is that people with lower educational attainment rates are the last to really feel the recovery. That recovery is playing out differently across Virginia. Lombard says African-American workers in Roanoke and Stafford are more likely to have a college degree than white workers, and they're more likely to make more money. But the opposite is true in places like Charlottesville or Arlington, where white workers are more likely to have a college degree and more likely to have a higher income. I'm Michael Pope. Last week, Harrisonburg named its first black police chief, Eric English. He's a veteran of the Richmond Police Force. That announcement came from Harrisonburg's black city manager, Eric Campbell. That happened a little more than a year after the city council had appointed its first black woman as mayor. As part of our Women of Interest series last summer, WMRA's Christopher Clymer Kurtz profiled Mayor Dina Reed. And here is that profile again. 
When Harrisonburg native Dina Reed won her race for city council, which subsequently chose her to be mayor, she had dubbed herself an everyday leader for everyday people. I mean, I'm not a wealthy person. I live in the same community that I grew up in. You know, I'm not a lawyer or, or I'm, I'm a program director for an after-school program, right? Um, and I'm your mayor. Tuesday, July 11, 2017, city council meeting to order. Roll call, please, Mary Hope. Mayor Reed, here. But City each and every project. day is a product and part of history, as she full well knows. I was surrounded, and I always talk about women who kind of had their hands on me when I was growing up. And that would be my mom, of course, and my grandmother and my aunt. My grandmother had these friends, Miss Wilhelmina Johnson, Miss um, Barbara Blakey, who was my high school teacher. And those women kept their hands on me as I was growing up, but they also were community activists. And community service was at their core. All of them are with me in this moment um, because I'm standing on their shoulders. After she graduated from Harrisonburg High School, Reed studied for a couple years at Radford University, then spent a couple decades living and working in business in Charlottesville and then Richmond. She returned to Harrisonburg to care for her aging grandmother and substitute taught in the city schools. She has served with a variety of community organizations and is now the program director for an after-school program called On the Road Collaborative. Reed said that when she found herself working with young girls of color, she realized that she was embodying the women who shaped her. And I think that was a defining moment that I was actually being the mentor to young girls the way Miss Wilhelmina and Miss Blakey were being mentors to me. Um, that I'm like, oh, wow. Now I'm doing this. You know, now I'm them. And then, of course, I decided to run for office, which was totally different. Had you ever anticipated doing that? No. Do you want to hear that story? (laughs) Reed said she was concerned about overcrowding in Harrisonburg High School and began attending city council meetings. And I was sitting there one one night, and I, I, I was listening. It just dawned on me. I was doing women up there, right? She found out that with only a handful of exceptions, Harrisonburg City Council members have always been white men. Harrisonburg is a very diverse community, but the leadership wasn't diverse. So I went out and tried to find a woman to run. That woman turned out to be herself. I mean, I'm not trying to say anything, but, you know, it's time to have women in these leadership roles, right? Because at uh, 52,000 people in population, you know, women are over 50% of that population, right? We are more than men. So we, our voices are important and needed to be heard. And just having three women over, you know, that's not acceptable. (laughs) So I kind of wanted to break that glass ceiling. (laughs) And again, she points back to the women who shaped her. I remember they would always make us, and I said make, they will always make us speak at church. We, even when we were young, you know, I'm talking about, you know, 10 or 11, 12. I remember this vividly, you know, stand up in front of people and we either had to quote scripture or read something. And I hated that because I, I was unsure. I was uncomfortable. And then I remember standing over here at the council chambers and delivering my caucus speech. And it was so clear to me, I was being prepared by them ladies. 
for that moment. She also points to the girls she mentors. She said some were at that caucus speech. It was like now these girls can see themselves in this role. With that history, her foundation, and a city council term only begun, Reed also has an eye on a personal goal, completing her education degree. I decided probably about five years ago, I said, you know, I'm going to go ahead and finish this. I need to finish this. So I've been working on it, but I got to get through this one class, and the one class is math. Okay. And, and you're looking out the window. <laughs> out the room. Like, is there anything else we can talk about? <laughs> but I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For WMRA News, I'm Christopher Clemmer Kurtz. Any item placed on the consent agenda will be removed and taken up as a separate matter if so requested. Nine years ago, educators in the Charlottesville area noticed that when it came to math, there was an achievement gap between black students and their white peers. And so an academy was born to try to improve those skills. And as WMRA's Jordi Yeager reports, what has resulted is much more. Every morning for the last two weeks, about 30 kids made their way into Murray High School. They're all between 5th and 8th grade, and they're attending a two-week summer academy called M-Cubed. It's put on by the 100 black men of Central Virginia. At the front of the room is Wes Bellamy, the group's president. Each morning, he asks the kids to start the day by reciting the group's creed. One, two, three. We believe we are the scholars of you're going to say this creed and you believe that you are the scholars of the 100 black men of Central Virginia, you have to be what? Confident. Confident. You have to be what? Confident. In life, we have to be what? Confident. Do we meet expectations? We exceed them. And why do we never fail? Because we never give up. Bellamy's not only the group's president, he's the only African-American city councilor in Charlottesville, and he's the city's vice mayor. But for these two weeks... He's the kid's teacher. So M-Cubed stands for Math Men on a Mission. Um, And essentially what it is is a summer academy for African-American males from Albemarle and Charlottesville in which we go over everything from math and geometry to improving their writing, but also manhood development and more specifically what it means to be an African-American male in this area. The two weeks is a journey. Every morning after the creed, they dive into an hour-long lesson on a weighty issue. But it all centers around value, around building the confidence to engage with the world as it is. Most of the week, that learning happens in the classroom. But the days aren't all super heavy. Kids are kids, after all. After recess in the afternoon, the kids break up for intensive math lessons. In one group, rising 8th graders tackle advanced algebra, two to three years beyond their grade level. They then put some of that book knowledge into action by building and programming a small robot to drive a track in the classroom. Um, I built it. He's more of the coding guy. I'm more of the building guy. So we built that in the first class in like 30 minutes. Jaden is 12, and his partner, Connor, is 13. They go to Henley Elementary in Almoral County. Um, These two weeks, it helps us get a head start on math and geometry, and I think that's really helped us be disciplined and learn about like life more, and it makes us better people. Jaden and Connor's class for these two weeks was taught by Pastor Ricky White and Alex Beverly. Alex is 17 now, but he started with the 100 black men almost six years ago. So in sixth grade, I wasn't the most confident. I wouldn't speak out in groups or anything. So it's made me a really, really great public speaker. Um, and it's helped me with confidence when I moved to Richmond. 
it was easier to meet people and get involved because of the skills I learned in the program and go after what I wanted to do. For Alex, that's meant becoming an oral surgeon. He knows it'll mean four years of college, four years of dental school, and four more years of residency. But that's okay, because while he's just a senior in high school now, he's already a certified dental assistant. It's that sort of goal-oriented thinking that the program pushes kids towards. To get the younger kids to grasp what that actually entails, one morning for their lesson, Bellamy listed out on a giant whiteboard all the costs that come with adulthood. How much do you all think rent or mortgage is a month? Let's just throw some numbers out. Let me hear. About 500. 820. Electric bills, cable, internet, car payments, credit cards, the list went on, eventually agreeing that it takes about $5,000 a month to live decently in Charlottesville. But then Bellamy took it a step further. But if you're not willing to put the work in in school, if you're not willing to put the work in to get the credentials to be able to acquire or command this kind of salary, how are you going to be able to pay those bills or live that lifestyle that you're talking about? The lessons can sneak up on the kids, too. At one point one morning, Bellamy asked several students to stand in preparation to say the creed. Then another teacher knocked on the door, and the class was momentarily distracted. The other teacher left, and Bellamy asked one of the standing students to sit down. The student objected, saying, no, you told me to stand. Bellamy seized the moment. How often has something similar like that happened to you all at school? And what happens normally? How many of us choose to go back and forth with the teacher or the instructor? And then think about it. Think about it. Where does us going back and forth get us? The 100 black men of Central Virginia has been around long enough now that the results are clear. The kids' test scores are increasing, as is their placement in advanced level classes. And the very first group of kids is now going off to college. Bellamy's changed, too. The group has raised him, he says. He puts his all into being with these kids, and at the end of the day, he gets emotional, and he worries. Is it enough? But then he comes back to his creed, their creed. For WMRA News, I'm Jordy Yeager. Support for WMRA's News and Information Fund, which makes our award-winning coverage possible, is provided by Bib and Dolly Frazier, Les and Johnny Grady, Klein May Realty, Eugene Stoltzfus Architects, Joy Loving, Janet Tretner, Nancy Barber, Ham and Jim Huggins, an anonymous donor, and by a grant from a donor-advised fund of the Community Foundation of Harrisonburg in Rockingham County. The website is always available for you to learn more about all the stories you hear every day. It's WMRA.org. That includes photos and hyperlinks you can follow to learn more. But you, too, can support local news here on WMRA. So go to that website, Mouse Over News, then click on News and Information Fund. Click like on Facebook at WMRA Public Radio. Follow me on Twitter at WMRA News to get the latest on our coverage. And subscribe to our news podcast, the WMRA Daily. You can get a daily local news update on your smartphone every weekday morning. I'm Bob Levicky, WMRA's news director and morning edition host. I will talk to you in the morning. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Sunday.